0: Um, Man, that's awesome! That was an awesome morning. Thank you, worship team, for a spirit-led worship service. Um, You know, like like if you if you if you if you watch like uh, worship videos from churches like Bethel or Upper Room or any of that, like during the week, uh, a lot of them have have these videos where uh, they call them moments, right? An An Upper Room moment, a Bethel moment, right? And it's just these. These, these special snippets of songs where the Lord just shows up and, and wrecks a room. And that last song, that was a moment. Yeah. That was a fireworks moment. So thank you to the team. Thank you to uh, Alyssa for your heart. Yes. Um, she sang and left. Okay. I take that back. I take that back. Yeah, that's right. Um, this morning I'm going to do a teaching. Uh, I'm going to do a teaching on intercession. Um, As a young and growing church, we're still coming into our identity. We're still laying the foundation on which our church will be built. We're still in the praying stages and the planning stages of what our church will look like. And more importantly, what our church will will function like. Uh, And if you were here last week, you know that my heart is that we operate in the full reality of what the gospel says that we are. That we will stop believing lies about ourselves. That we just accept and receive the full inheritance we have as as body of believers, as as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ who have the mind of Christ. um, And just begin operating in a reality that already exists. Um, And if you've listened to the voice of God that's been woven through the the collective voices of those who have been speaking over our body the last few months. um, He's telling us that we are a people that are ready to walk out our calling. We are clean. Period. We are clean. Period. We have authority to pull down any strongholds that hold us back. Full stop. We are called and equipped to minister to the very heart of God as priests of God. We're called to show up here on a Sunday morning and minister to the very heart of God. And go out there in the world and mediate between God and man on a daily basis. We are sons and daughters. We are in union with God through Christ. We are a body of believers who possess the spirit of the living God and the mind of Christ. He's telling us that we're qualified. Have you heard it enough? Have we said it enough? Are you sick of us saying you are qualified? Do you believe it? Do you believe that you are qualified in Christ alone to be an integral part of this body? To be an integral and indispensable part of this body? I wonder how many of you think you are dispensable? In this body that you don't add value that you just show up and if you don't show up it doesn't matter it matters each and every one of you are indispensable maybe there was some older church model that you've been a part of where you can come and sit and soak and sour that is not what you will find here you will find what you found this morning in worship the presence of the Lord And the presence of the Lord will change you. It will call you higher. It will demand that you put off the old man completely as you take your seat, seated in the heavenlies, with all authority of the Father. So you are indispensable to this church. And what we're going to talk about this morning is really a great way for all of us to experience that. To experience how important and vital you are to the body. So I hope it's a really practical teaching on intercession. Uh, I hope it's something that you can take and begin using immediately in your day-to-day life. So as we continue to build this foundation uh, of Fireworks Church, I think today uh, I want you to view it as a foundational pillar that the Lord is giving us. Uh, he, he, he has to give us these foundational pillars that as we grow can support the weight that we have to bear as a, as a collective body. Because you see, as, as each new person walks through that door and decides to call Fireworks Church their home, with that person comes a completely new set of thoughts and beliefs and traditions and opinions and preferences. But but with that person also comes a complete new set of hurts and pains and struggles and trials. And and we have to be equipped as a body to to minister to that, right? Um, it's 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 what Stone spoke at the mic this morning. It's our collective call to function as a body. When one of you rejoices, we all rejoice with you. When one of you is weeping, we all weep with you. Like we give you our hearts. We unite our hearts together as one body and we function collectively as that body. And so we can either have a spirit led strategy on how to deal with all of the ministry needs that that happen within this body or we can, we can just adopt more of a haphazard approach where the squeaky wheel gets the grease and, and the silent suffer in silence. And, and, and we do not have that option as a church. Ergo, we need a spirit-led strategy on how to minister to the body. Now let me tell you this. There is not one person in this church Who is gifted enough, talented enough, or even called to minister to even the amount of people that we have in this church currently. I'm not talented enough. I'm not gifted enough. Most of you know that. Uh, But more importantly, I'm not called to do that. And let me take that one step further. There's not a group of 10 people. There's not a group of 20 people who are called, equipped, and gifted enough to minister to the entire, the entirety of this body. And so God has given us a gift called intercession. So he's giving us that as a foundation, foundational pillar today. I believe that God is calling us to create a culture of intercession. A culture of intercession. And, and, and for many of us, what's the first thing that comes to mind, the first word that pops in your head when I say the word intercession? Prayer prayer. So, so is that the totality of what we're talking about this morning? Are we talking about praying for other people? No. God's word is going to show us that it's so much more than that. It's so much deeper than that. It's so much more beautiful than that. Um, so if, if we may be operating on a different definition of what intercession is, we better define it so that we can all get on the same page and have a lovely time together this morning. Amen. Uh, there's actually quite a bit of differing viewpoints on intercession. It kind of it kind of seems like one of those things that might just be pretty black and white, you know, pretty straightforward. I, I don't know. We pray pray for others. Uh, there's there's good teaching out there on it. There's bad teaching out there on it. Um, most of what I'm going to tell you today uh, comes, of course, first from the Bible. Uh, but I really would commend you to Dutch Sheets on this. He has done some plenary. Some thorough and and really exhaustive work in the area of prayer in general, um, but then also really lining out what intercession is for us. And and I'll come into you a book um, from Dutch East, Intercessory Prayer, How God Can Use Your Prayers to Move Heaven and Earth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's our goal. That's our goal. Not just throwing up empty words, right, to check a box. Asking God to move heaven and earth based on the words of his children. That is our goal. So let's start off uh, defining what we mean by intercession. Uh, The Hebrew word that's often translated as intercession or to intercede is pagah. Everybody say paga. Very good. I'm going to say paga way too many times today. Uh, It's been in my head. It's one of those words where you say it enough. Uh, you know, over the course of a week, it doesn't even sound like a real word anymore. Um, uh, but the word pagah actually has a, a very broad scope of use in the Old Testament. Um, here are some of the meanings that the word paga can hold in the Old Testament. So listen to this uh, it means to encounter, to meet, to join, it, it means to reach or to, to reach out. To to touch a boundary of it, it can mean to entreat to implede, to to plead with somebody. It, it can mean to to uh, intercede to to lay something on somebody to to fall upon somebody. It can mean to strike. It can mean to to fall upon as in an attack. It can also mean to hit an intended target to reach an intended mark. I mean that's a rich work. That's a that's a good work. And and so what we're gonna do this morning is build a a biblical and Christological foundation on what intercession is and isn't and then we're gonna then we're gonna really take a deeper dive into how do we apply that as people who are living sold out for the kingdom of God. How can we as a collective body pour ourselves out as a drink offering as we intercede for others. So first and foremost, intercession creates a meeting. Intercession creates a meeting. It's one of the first definitions that we heard, right? To, to meet, to encounter, to join. Um, so, so intercession creates a meeting, it creates an encounter. And here's where we have to begin. First and foremost, um, intercessors are people who meet with God. If you feel called in the ministry of intercession, which we'll get to, we are all called. So start feeling it. Uh, First and foremost, intercessors are people who meet with God. They go beyond talking to God and they encounter him to hear what he has to say about a group of people. They reach out to him. They touch him. They love being in his presence. They, 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 they will not let him pass by without reaching out and touching the hem of his, of his garment to receive what they need in that time. Dr. Victor Hamilton expresses this thought uh, pretty bluntly. Listen to this. I think I have this quote. An intercessor is one who makes contact with God as opposed to many who simply dabble in prayer. I've been guilty of being a dabbler especially that the busier I get the more dabbling I do right God is calling us to put off dabbling and to meet with God in the secret place he will meet with you there and he will speak to you see intercessors decide to shift their focus off of their own needs off of their own struggles off of their own pains and their own hurts and shift that focus to somebody else it's adopting the heart of the father jesus was always others focused he was always outward focused he was never self-focused and and intercession is really just a reflection of the heart of god the father and the heart of god the the son And God simply honors this position. If we choose to lay our needs aside, if we choose to lay our problems down for the benefit, for the sake, because we love other people, God simply honors this position. He will begin to speak to you on how to minister to others, how to maybe talk a little less and listen a little more. Uh, how how to actually hear what they're saying and empathize before formulating a a canned response or a quick response so we can move on to the other thing. And and so, really, this is is an honest statement. When people come up to me and they say, I'm having trouble hearing from the Lord, my first piece of counsel is start praying for other people. You, You will be amazed that when you take that heart position how quickly and loudly God will speak to you on how to minister. That's the very heart of God. I mean, we go back to what Ray taught about a few weeks ago, being priests unto the Lord and mediating between the people. Intercession is a priestly act. It is standing in the gap between God and man, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, So intercession begins by creating a meeting between the intercessor and God. But its goal is to create a meeting between God and somebody else. Intercession creates a meeting where two disparate parties can come together, can meet together, can join together. It, it, it bridges the gap. It stands in the gap and brings, brings uh, a holy God and a sinful man back into a relationship, where they can have an encounter. And at a base level, the concept of intercession it it, it really um, it really involves mediation, right, or going between two parties. It it, it involves the idea of bringing two bodies together uh, because of the mutual love you have for both parties and for the mutual benefit of both parties. Do y'all hear that? Because you love God so much, and because you love your wayward child so much you decide to mediate that relationship you decide to stand in the gap and if and i'm gonna i'm gonna get ahead of my first point here but if you're a mama or a papa in this room who has prayed for a wayward child for any length of time you know that you will do more than just pray you know that you have a role and responsibility in bringing them back to the Lord. Than just throwing your hands up and saying, oh, God, you do it. Again, I'm getting, getting ahead of myself. Um, we, we see this all the time in the legal world, right? When, when two parties can't come together. when when they're not meeting when they're so far apart sometimes a judge will decide okay i'm going to bring in an intercessor i'm going to bring in a mediator i'm going to bring in somebody who will advocate on behalf of both parties to come to a mutually beneficial and just solution there's there's kind of a a a legal view of what it means to intercede to 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 mediate (laughs) um And and here's the the first major point. Jesus Christ is, is the ultimate example of a perfect intercessor. There was a chasm that existed between a holy God and a sinful man. It was the chasm of our sin. And Jesus Christ was the only qualified mediator. He was the only qualified intercessor who could sinlessly stand before the throne of God and say, Bertie is righteous. Right. Not because of anything Bertie did, but because of what I did, Father. Do you remember what I did on the cross, Father? Brett is innocent. He is pure and he is righteous because of what I did on the cross. So, so uh, Jesus represents us, or as Sheets puts it, he represents us. When God first looked on us, he saw us as his enemy. We were at enmity with God. We were at war with God. We were walking as as, uh, sons of obedience to the devil himself. And God saw us in that and said, the wrath of God is coming for you. And then because of the cross and because of the resurrection and because of the ascension and glorification of the son he stands at the right hand of the father and he says this is your son and this is your daughter what a radical change what a, what a perfect intercessor we have in Jesus it, and, and so here goes, here, here's how Dutch kind of kind of gives us a definition of, of, of the prayer aspect of this of intercessory prayer he says, inter- intercessory prayer is an extension of. The, I have something. You got it. Great. You're so good. You're so good, Dave. I love you. He says, intercessory prayer is an extension of the ministry of Jesus through His body, the church—that's us—whereby we mediate between God and humanity for the purpose of reconciling the world to Him. That's where this is a priestly function. Do you see that? Uh, And then Dutch goes on to say, or between Satan and humanity for the purpose of enforcing the victory of Calvary. And we'll get to that in a second because there's some meat on that bone and we got to get to it. You don't need meat on the bone, do you? No, sir. That'd be for the young man in the room, not us. Uh, as intercessors, as intercessors, we meet with God to bring about a meeting with God between him and the person that we're praying for. Um, but as intercessors, we also meet the enemy yes. to undo or break a hold that the enemy has on someone's life to enforce the victory of Calvary. We, we see the word pagai used in Isaiah 53. I think you've got that. Um, Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. This is talking about Jesus' intercession on behalf of the unsaved. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and I will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet himself bore the sins of many and interceded, or pagah for the transgressors. Jesus interceded. He stepped in for the transgressors he made a way back to the father for the transgressors and Jesus entire life was an act of intercession his entire life was an actual act of intercession he had left heaven in order to way, in order to make a way for sinful man to encounter or meet with a holy god once again to to bridge that gap uh, and Jesus' life is not only the perfect model of intercession, but it also shows us that intercession is not merely a prayer. We, we see times in the example of Jesus Christ where intercession happens as a prayer, where Jesus prays prayers of intercession. Um, but I want you to, to be clear on the fact that his entire life was the act of intercession. Um It was a holistic action of representation and mediation, reconciling two parties. Uh, We see prayer as a vital part of intercession in the garden of Gethsemane. As Jesus' ultimate act of intercession was coming to a climax, Jesus prayed so fervently and in such agony that the Bible says his sweat became as drops of blood. But He had stepped into the role of intercessor. He had left His seat on the throne in heaven for the joy set before Him that is you and me. And, he, and once He accepted that role of intercessor, there was no going back. He would see this through to the end. He would see the bridge be built. And so in the garden, He prays to the Father. If there's any other way, Great. But my goal is that your will be done. That you, Heavenly Father, would be reconciled to the beloved of your creation. He interceded for us, praying to the Father in that moment, sweating the drops of blood, thinking of the joy set before him, that is you and me. You are so loved. I just hear that resounding in my head this morning. Tell my people they are so loved. And on the cross, we hear another prayer of intercession. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. This was a prayer of intercession made during the final act of Jesus' full intercession. That would restore us and reconcile us to the Father. Uh, And when we talk about Jesus as the ultimate intercessor, we have to look at Romans uh, 8, verse 34. Um, Those of you familiar with this passage, I'm sure you you know it's coming. Um, in in, In chapter 8, Paul talks about Jesus being our continual intercessor. But what does that mean? Let's read it together. Romans 8, 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What does that mean? Well, I agree with Dutch, Sheets, and other scholars on this verse. I don't believe that 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 means that Jesus is up there praying for us. I don't think Jesus, in full communion with the Father, seated at the right hand of the Father, says, hey, I'm going to go on a short walk. I'll be back. And finds a place to, to pray for you, right? He just turns to what? His left? Right? His right hand of yes. He just... Maybe I should have practiced that before now. <laughs> he just turns to his left, to his father, and he simply says... You, you remember Brett who called upon my name for the forgiveness of his sins and who has died to himself? And now lives for your glory. you remember him? He's lonely. And he's in need of your presence. Or hey. He's trying to communicate your word. To a body of believers. And he needs your word to come through him. Or he's acting selfishly right now. And he needs your patience. Or hey that. Sin that's always tripped him up, he stumbled again. Right? Who called on my name, who stands clothed in my righteousness, he needs your grace and your mercy right now. So Jesus is constantly interceding on our behalf. He's constantly mediating. Now, 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 this is super important. Jesus is now in the stage of intercession where the representation and mediation has been complete. The work is done. And I want to be very clear about that. Yes. The work is finished. Uh, but we saw back uh, earlier that one of the definitions of Pagah is to entreat or to plead. Jesus now entreats the Father on our behalf for the full benefits that were won on the cross at Calvary. And that is how He intercedes for us daily. He, this intercession gives us access to the Father. This is you, don't miss this. We are the ones who have access. Yes. That's what qualifies us to intercede for other people. We have the access and they don't. So intercession is using that access for the benefit of others. It is seeing the job through, not only until that person encounters God, but until they receive the full benefit of that encounter with God. So do you see that through this example of Jesus, our, our ultimate intercessor, the intercession is so much more than prayer. It, it, it is love in action. It is selfless advocacy. And in fact, prayer seems to be just one of the many forms the that intercession, that intercession takes, Right? Uh, But but as believers, we not only have Jesus Christ as the the perfect example of intercession um, and a continual intercessor for us. We have been given an internal intercession engine that lives inside of us in the person and work of Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about God's thoughts being higher than our thoughts. We talked about His ways being higher than our ways. And, and, and sometimes that means that we don't know how to perfectly communicate with God. Do you ever feel that way? I'm trying to pray right. I'm trying to pray according to your will. Is this your will? Right. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our ways. We're not always going to hit the mark with our prayers. That's where this beautiful definition of Pagah comes in. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This takes the pressure off. This takes every ounce of pressure off of you to pray the right prayer. Here, the Greek word that's used still means the same thing. It means to encounter, to meet, to plead with, to make supplication. The act of intercession here is a human with a finite mind who doesn't always understand the perfect will of God. So the Holy Spirit stands in the gap, bridges the gap, so that our prayers unite to the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. 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 You can be assured that your prayers in the Spirit will hit the mark. Amen. Amen. Um and, and this intercession, these groanings uh, that, that might look and sound differently among our body. Yeah. I won't talk about this. There have been many times in my life where I've been praying for someone else, and I just begin weeping. I just begin wailing. I mean, to the point where you're like, if my wife walks in the room, she's kind of like, "What is going <laughs> on?" right? Uh, sometimes there, there have been times when I, 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 the Lord just hits me with, with the pain of somebody else of a situation they're walking through and you just groan it's kind of this guttural groan and you're just like oh Lord and there are times when I pray in tongues Paul says on the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians 14:2. it says for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God for no one understands, but in His Spirit He speaks mysteries. <clears throat> you go on two verses later. 1 Corinthians fourteen fourteen. It says, For if I pray in the tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the mind Amen. also. Listen to this, church. Through groanings, through deep utterances, Or through the gift of tongues. The Holy Spirit literally bypasses our minds. And uses our mouths to pray. In the moments we don't know what to pray. We must pray in the Spirit. Allowing Holy Spirit to hit the mark on our behalf. If we want effective prayers. This is critical. You see when we speak in tongues. We'll have no idea what we're praying. But the Holy Spirit uses this gift to make sure the right requests are made. And I want to say this, I want to be very clear. Whether you operate in the gift of tongues or not, the Holy Spirit will always help you hit your mark. He can give you a groaning and an utterance and a passion and a heart for the person that you're praying for. And you can pray in that same spirit. And he will make sure your prayers are right on target. Yeah, so So, because Jesus interceded on our behalf before God, we have access to the Father. Through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we can rest assured that our prayers will hit the mark of his perfect will. And with that level of qualification, church, We are called to intercede in situations where people need to meet with God. Where people need to encounter God. This is not reserved with some people with some special gifting or special calling. Do we all hear that? This is an all skate. So what makes some people more prolific in intercession? What makes some people more successful seemingly in intercession? Let me answer those questions with a question of my own. How much of your time are you willing to give away? How much of your time are you willing to invest in someone else's problems over yours? I can shut up because I struggle with this. I'm selfish. I'm selfish in the same way. This is a posture of the heart. This is a willingness to see somebody as better than yourself and care for their needs over my needs. And that's hard. But that's not a gift or a calling. That's what we've all received in the gift of Jesus Christ in the presence and power of Holy Spirit in our life. The question is not, am I qualified enough to intercede? The question is, do I care enough to intercede? Today's a call to build a culture within our church where we all begin to adopt the heart of God for others and spend intentional and sacrificial time not only praying for others, but acting on behalf of others so they can encounter the living God that we worship in this place this morning. So I want to blow through, through uh, three more things. So with a biblical framework for intercession, uh, with a call to build a culture of intercession. Let's go, let's go a little bit deeper because it just gets so awesome into the definition of Pagat. First of all, the intercessor is a spiritual warrior. Uh, remember some of the definitions we saw earlier of To strike, to attack, uh, like an arrow hitting its mark. The word is used 15 times in the Old Testament to describe battle. Uh, it became synonymous for falling upon somebody or attacking them. We see in First Samuel 22, in Judges 8, in Judges 15, in Second Samuel 1. Um, so here I think it's handy, when we talk about intercessors being spiritual warriors, I think it's handy to return to that definition of Dutch sheets uh, that we saw earlier. Um, intercessory prayer is an extension of the ministry of Jesus through his body, the church whereby we mediate between God and humanity for the purpose of reconciling the world to him. Now, here we are. Or we mediate between Satan and humanity for the purpose of enforcing the victory of Calvary. When we decide to serve as an intercessor, we're, we're signing up for whatever that entails. We are entering into battle. We are entering into spiritual warfare. We are entering into a battle with demonic forces. It is simply unavoidable. You cannot intercede without initiating a battle. And you must be prepared to fight to the end. We don't leave work undone in the realm of spiritual warfare. It has to be seen through to completion. In Isaiah fifty nine six, God was amazed that there was no intercessor to plead the call, the cause of Israel. Uh, and, and in that verse, it, it appears that God actually chooses to become the intercessor on behalf of the nation of Israel. And the first thing we notice here is that God is looking for an intercessor, and He saw no one. Right? We, we need to make note of that. That God looks. For intercessors, he says in verse sixteen, and he saw that there was no man, and was astonished that there was no one to intercede or paga Then his own arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on a, he put on righteousness like a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. We have to be ready to discern spiritual forces that might be in play in any given situation once we decide to take on the role of an intercessor. If we discover someone is dealing with spiritual oppression, we must be ready to fight for deliverance alongside that person. We don't just pray for them. We fight for them and with them while we continually pray for them. If you feel called to deliverance in this room, you're actually called to to, to a a higher calling. That's intercession. You can also see in Isaiah 59 some of the inspiration for Paul when he wrote Ephesians 6. Now you'll see the the armor of God in there. Isn't that amazing? How the Holy Spirit works. That's just a a freebie. Uh, uh, You could say that the intercessor, and Raleen spoke to this in our prayer time um, before, she was preaching this point. in our our prayer time. Uh, You could say that the intercessor is fighting to take back the ground that the enemy thinks he has taken. That the enemy thinks he has won. And we see this in the next definition of of Pagah. Uh, The the intercessor desires to take the land. In Joshua 16 verses 5 through 7 we have a, a record of the territory given to the tribe of Ephraim Described as the border of their inheritance. As God was passing out the, the land and distributing among the twelve tribes of Israel. Um, um, now this was the territory of the sons of Ephraim. We can uh, skip to the next verse. So I don't have to say all those words. Uh, um, go ahead and skip that one so I can skip those words too. Uh, it went down from Genoa to Adaroth to Narah, then reached or Pagah, the, the outer boundary of this land, of this inheritance, was Jericho, and it came out to, to the Jordan. Uh, and th- this word is used to mark the territory or boundaries of the tribe's inheritance. Uh, Pagah in this context is staking territory. Ooh. That the act of intercession, that our prayers combined with obedience can actually work to stake out land for the kingdom of God. This can include people, land, yeah. and property. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to jump right into Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. And, and the Greek word parisia here translated boldly in this verse is full of meaning that applies directly to what we're talking about, right? According to Strong's, it means all outspokenness, frankness, bluntness, publicly, boldly, It even indicates speaking freely. And and so how does this apply to us? We as a church, as, as intercessors who not only pray, but act on behalf of others, we must frankly and boldly and publicly proclaim Burning is the Lord's and all that are in it. Burning will be the Lord's in the name of Jesus Christ. And we will have a significant role as the body of believers that comprise Fireworks Church. Otherwise, what are we doing? We must intercede and step in and create an encounter between God and our city. Between God and our local government. Between God and the land. Between God and the people who dwell in all of the houses that sit on this land. And again, this is not in prayer only. It has to be with our lives. Ooh, listen to this. Prayer alone is powerful. But prayer mixed with obedience is unstoppable. Yes. Yes. We are called to take the land. Do you see how intercession begins as a posture of the heart? It begins in prayer, but it moves into action. And it persists until the will of God is achieved. And this posture of the heart is selflessness. It's true love. It's loving someone as we love ourselves. It's loving and serving our neighbor in the truth of the gospel. And as we see in our in our next and last definition of Pagah, it involves a willingness to carry another's burden. <clears throat> we saw at the beginning of our discussion that one of the meanings of the word Pagah is to lay or to light upon. In Isaiah 53, 6, we see this so sweetly. We turn again to Jesus, the prophesied Messiah, the hope of Israel. To see this perfect example in Christ. That we should be following as New Testament believers. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall. Yes. To Pagah on him. We are the sheep and in our sin. God took the spotless lamb. And Pagah laid our sin. On Him, Jesus Christ interceded and was willing to carry the burden of our sins. And in the same way, He's called us to do that for others. Again, this is loving your neighbor. You, you, I mean, it's pretty easy for us to cast all our cares before the Lord. It's pretty, it's pretty easy for us, ask for, for us to ask Him for an a, a easy burden and a light yoke. Are we willing to do it for others? The gospel says we should love our neighbor enough to take on this burden. The obvious story here is the parable of the good Samaritan. Man gets beat up. robbed, nearly killed. Priest passes by. Levite passes by. Samaritan chooses to intercede. To step in. Right? You you know what what the uh, the Bible doesn't have in in that story? Um, I mean... The the Good Samaritan gave his heart to the wounded man. His heart went out to the wounded man. Uh, His time, he gave his time on behalf of the wounded man. He spent his money on behalf of the wounded man to make sure he got the care that he needed. Um, But in the parable, you don't even see him praying for the man. It was was his actions. It it was his life. So to recap, Jesus is the ultimate intercessor who mediated between God and man to reconcile us to the Father. He's the ultimate and perfect example of intercession. He gave us Holy Spirit. This internal intercession engine to make sure your prayers hit the mark, to take off all the pressure from us and place it on Him. Biblically, we've seen that intercessors are spiritual warriors who... who, uh, Who not only fight back against the forces of demonic evil. They take back the ground from the hands of the enemy. Who thinks he has won it. But they also stake out new ground. They also enlarge the borders. They also enlarge the territory of the kingdom of God. Person by person. City after city. State after state. They enlarge the borders of the kingdom of God. And like Jesus they carry the burden of others. So that those people might see God more clearly. They might see him rightly as as one who loves them and is working for their good and looking for their best. We must intercede because we are the ones who have access. We must intercede because we are the ones who have the authority. We must intercede because we are the ones that have the divine assistance helping us in the Holy Spirit. We must be a body of intercessors. So I thought, how do we, how do I, how do I land this plane? How do we, how do we make a, a call to action for, for intercession? And, and you know what struck me is like, uh, sometimes you just start thinking in your flesh and you're like, okay, we'll make an intercessory prayer team. Well, I I think that by doing that, it insinuates that some of you are called and some of you aren't. That some of you might be able to do this, but that maybe some of you can't. So that's not what we're going to do. That, I think that is a man-built system that you just think churchy words and churchy structures, and you think, oh, I'll just form an intercessory prayer team. No, we don't need to do that. We already have the intercessory prayer team. Thank you for signing up by coming in to this building today. I just want us to begin functioning in it. I just want us to begin functioning. So here is my challenge this morning, and I'm done. Um, I I want you to pray about it. I want you to spend some time encountering God, meeting God in the secret place. And I want you to ask Him, where are you calling me to step in? Where are you calling me to start in prayer, but to move far beyond prayer? and go to the point to where do whatever it takes to make sure that the perfect will of God is done in that person's life and I think sometimes we, we kind of put the blame on God and we don't even realize it. I've prayed, I've prayed nothing happens and the Lord's up there going I hear your prayer, I heard it actually the first time I've been saying you go you're called, you're qualified, you're equipped I've been telling you go you're ready. You're ready. So I want you to commit to one person, one situation, one life, one family, whatever it is that God is calling you to. I want you to see yourself as an intercessor this week. That God wants to use you in this capacity this week. It's the, it's the beauty of what I saw in the Christian Job Corps and what they're doing in the jail ministry. People in our church are choosing to step into the jails to help those men and women encounter God at a point in their lives where they have just made some bad decisions. They're, they're intrinsically good people, right? They may not know the Lord. Uh, yes, absolutely. But somebody stepped in, right? Somebody stepped in with the love of Jesus and made all the difference. And now there's reconciliation and restoration now we have a beautiful daughter of the keys sitting in our midst hallelujah praise be to Jesus